The U.S. House Foreign Affairs Committee has granted Biden authority to decide TikTok's fate as security concerns persist over its links to the CCP. Bans on the app have already been enforced on government-owned devices in U.S., Europe, and Canada due to rising tensions with China. I'm Lee Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyoncé Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we believe in the power of reels and shorts. Welcome to Incamera Podcast, Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, welcome back. How are you today? Good. How are you, Leo? Great. I'm Grace. Can't complain. This is my favorite part of the week. I'm so excited to get to, you know, just sit down here and chat. And it doesn't really matter about what, just chat with you. I just enjoy it. It relaxes me. It helps me forget about the things that I want to forget. And it entertains me. So couldn't be happier. What about you? Same. You know that, Liel. I mean, what is it, four years now? You keep having to remind me. I know. It, it, it is wild. Long. I cannot, I can't, like, it's, and, it, and you know what's the one of the wildest things, Grace, is like really looking back at COVID and it's now distant. I mean, this this week, it's going to be three years since, since the major lockdowns started. And it's really mind-blowing to think that it's been such long time now because three years is a lot it's really a lot and kind of also a, a a good reminder of how much it has impacted everything and how much lasting the effect of some of those impacts have been but yeah actually since we started with that it's really interesting the debate of the remote work the it's kind of like taking a 180 degree half turn because now from the Southern Grace, I don't think you hear that many big organizations saying we're staying remote forever and we're going to, you know, keep on on the ways that we've learned during the pandemic and such. I think, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are, I think to say the least, an hybrid model is going to be the norm. I don't think a majority remote workforce is going to hold on for much longer. A hundred percent. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I have family and friends that this week, uh, actually as of last month, the beginning of last month, a bunch of them went back half time. Um, some of them had the opportunity to choose you know, if they wanted to be kind of full-time stayed remote or go back into the office and others didn't have that choice where they were just told, you now you need to come in Tuesdays and Thursdays every week, you know, and, and others are doing like a rotation, right? Where some people that enjoy being in the office that they'll just come in the office like they normally would. Mm. Um, and now they're coming back to the office or, you know, that they'll switch out if there's only X spaces, right? Available for some somebody so okay we can rotate the desk so it's an interesting extremely hybrid yeah. model that seems to have kind of yeah. turned out and, and that's that's very clever though grace because 
what you're saying there about really maximizing your office real estate, it's in everyone's mind because I think a lot of businesses, law firms including, are thinking, okay, so we are going to go back to the office, but we also know that we're not going to be here all at the same time, all the time. Like some people will continue working remote certain days and some will come on to the office on some days and they're going to alternate, right? Or some positions will remain being 100% remote while others are going to be office all the time. And so making those calculations is a very clever thing because then all from the sudden you realize that the real estate that you need is not necessarily as big of a footprint as you potentially had before. And therefore you can still leverage some cost saving. Because I think one of the things, particularly CFOs, loved about everything that had to do with remote work was that, hey, all from the sudden, we can potentially save in a lot of fixed costs, right? And an office is a very expensive uh, real estate piece to, to pay rent on if you are paying rents. So I think that is... That, w- that had a lot of appeal to them. And I think the way of kind of like retaining some of those benefits is just by making these type of decisions. But what I'm hearing, Grace, is like people are actually not only thinking and feeling more comfortable with the idea of going back to work, but they're actually doubling down. Like people are actually getting bigger offices. They're uh, relocating to more spacious places. And I think it's also because people are also now aware that workplace or an office doesn't necessarily need to look like the standard work workplace and office. And you want to create more space and more rooms for people to be able to work in slightly different environments. And I don't, I'm not talking about putting ping pongs on the middle of the hall. I think that's a cliche uh, that usually tries to mask bad culture. <laughs> but in reality, there is a point being made that one of the reasons why people want to go and work in an office is because of that opportunity to interact and meet and connect with others and kind of like do collaborative work. I'll tell you, I'm personally very excited that in a couple of weeks, going to be meeting with uh, a big part of our team to just do some good project working and spending time brainstorming and troubleshooting through things together. It just it's a great feeling. I mean, I, I at least feel that way. And I think a lot of people do as well. But I also still see the benefits of remote work. But I don't feel, though, that to work in an office is something that should not be happening or it shouldn't be something that it's normal for us to see now as the thing that we're heading back to. Because it just makes sense. I think now that we kind of were given the freedom of experience, like how does it feel to work 100% remote? How does it feel to have some collaboration, doing hybrid model and such? I think it feels like, yeah, you know what? Kind of like having a mix of both is the best thing. For us, it certainly has been, right? I mean, you know, we're such a unique law firm in that we have multiple divisions. And after COVID, we really just completely went fully remote. Um, well, we did have, don't get me wrong, we still have our, our office in Florida for the marketing department. Um, yeah. And, you know, that division of persists that we have. Um, and so I'm actually physically in an office because if I don't come into an office, I know myself, I'm the type that will not stop working until God knows when, you know, and I'll end up working 14, 15 hour days. So for yeah. me, it was a very specific choice. As a matter of fact, Ed, the owner, gave me that option. He said, would you like to go back home would you like to work fully 
for remote or do you feel the need for an office? And when I asked him, you know, I said, you know, I'd like to have at least one or two spaces, you know, for me. And we do have some other Florida people that are very close to this office location where it made sense to still have them in here, you know, occasionally. And that's what we ended up doing. We actually rotate one of the spaces. We have uh, three, four, four offices in this side. Um, we reduced it from like 30 to three, four. Um, so we pay a very, very little amount per month for the space we have. We got to stay in the same space because we just reduced our footprint. And then, you know, they kind of communicate with each other if one person has to take up that one spot that's a rotating spot. Yeah. Um, other than that, we have pretty much our IT guy here, uh, our male guy, right? Male person. Um, technology doesn't ever have to be in person, but, you know, we have some of our switches and certain things in person here physically. So it just made sense, you know, yeah. and for me, it's been great. Like, yeah. you know, I get to choose whether I can come, I have to come in or not if I don't want to, or if it just doesn't make sense because I have an early, early morning meeting. I don't, I do it from work. I do it from home. Yeah. So yeah. it, I love it. I personally think it's great. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it just makes a lot of sense. And and, and and what you're bringing up is that it, it's also a very, very important point here is that one other thing that people realized over the past few years is that, you know what? Not everyone wants to work remote. Actually, some people like the going to an office, disconnecting from their personal life for a little while and being in an office environment. And I know that may sound crazy to some, but it isn't. I've actually talked with law firm owners that have big teams. I'm talking 50, 60, 70 people where the majority of workers, and as a matter of fact, Grace, Latino workers that really enjoy going to work, going to the office, it gives them a break a little bit from dealing with everything that's happening in their personal lives, right? Uh, the kids, the family, the noise, like this gives them a little bit of um, space and sanity to, to socialize with their co-workers, to focus on work, um, you know, to dress up, to go for work. Like there is a lot of, of, of aspects to it that really sometimes give balance to someone's life. And I, I, I just think that for a little while, out of no other choice, we had to adapt. But you know, now when things are a little bit more more stable, well, not more stable. That's it. It's done. That's you can do whatever you want. Um, we realize that there is an upside, but you can also balance it off with having having the opportunity of working in person. At least for myself, I know that I enjoy as much uh, working with my team face-to-face and having the opportunity to collaborate in that way as much as I appreciate the freedom of being able to, as you said, for certain things, for certain tasks, for for some of my work, not necessarily having to be tied and know that I have to be in person at a place. It's just good to have that flexibility. All right, Grace, we've just gone through a big detour, but doesn't matter because I'm bringing us back to our first topic of this conversation. And we're going to start talking about digital and tech news. And the breaking news today are that Biden approved to potentially ban TikTok. So just kind of like revisiting here a little bit of the trajectory and the history of why the U.S. government has issues with TikTok. Well, TikTok is a Chinese-owned product. 
It's based out of company who is headquartered in China, even though they do not necessarily respond to that question so straightforward. It is a Chinese company. And the main concern here is that because of the way that TikTok operates, it's just pulling out so much data from U.S. citizens and from America as a whole that it's concerning and alarming to the U.S. government that this is going irregulated. There's no regulations. It's actually blocking that, right? You may remember a few weeks ago, there was like this balloon flying over, <laughs> over the U.S. Uh, seas and then land and, you know, whatever, right? How alarming and how concerning that was for everyone. But you've probably also heard a few jokes about like, okay, so we shut down the balloon. Now what we're doing about TikTok? Because that's the biggest, like if you want to spy, into a population, it doesn't get much better than just get yourself into every single mobile device that exists in that country. And that's basically kind of like almost where TikTok's heading. So, you know, um, it's concerning. It has concerned the government for quite some time. You may remember that an executive order by then President Trump was put out and then TikTok disputed it, said it was not, you know, it was rushed. It didn't really stand a lot of ground. Uh, but ever since then, it has remained a concern. Government has actually given, federal government has actually prohibited the app to be installed in government-owned devices. Several other states, I believe 30 uh, states, have also followed those same rules. And so it looks like now it's down to Senate to decide whether they're going to put a final ban on TikTok. And what I've heard, Grace, people that know way more about this than I do, is that while it may not be an absolute ban, what it may force TikTok to do is to sell a big part of their organization to an American-controlled company. So that's kind of like where it looks like it may hit. And there's already there kind of like an Oracle collaboration or partnership in place, but it has to be something bigger, something more meaningful. So what are your thoughts on this, Grace? <laughs> so, you know, it. I have both sides, right? I mean, for us, you know, being a user of TikTok, you know, in terms of like, being engaged on there with my niece and just the things that, you know, the reasons that they, that I'm on there are because of family related, you know, that like, I like to, she likes doing TikToks with me. She'll show me her TikToks or she'll, she'll communicate with me using TikToks and things like that. You know, my niece is 13 years old. So, you know, with that being said on that side of it, you know, it's going to suck for all of the users to not be able to have access to TikTok because it is a very different set up in the sense that you can search by different ways and people feel like it's more theirs. Um, but at the same time, I have always had the same privacy concerns that they've had about TikTok from the very beginning. So for me, it's 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 a little bit of a catch-22 in that sense, but at the same time, it needed to happen. I feel like it did. I don't, I feel like that this is something that maybe, I don't know that an outright ban, you know, but it is not owned by a U.S. company. So they have no reason, nor do they have any rights or or anything to our data, and they have it, and they have access to it because we've given it to them. So I believe Absolutely. we need to be protected. 
Absolutely. Great. I mean, look, look, I don't want to fall into all the accusations that can sound very cliche, but it's a communist country, right? And they have pretty, 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 pretty strong hand on free speech, right? And not allowing it. And yet they're gathering all of this data on the United States and they have so much influence over it, right? Nothing is stopping them just from tweaking around a little bit the algorithms and start displaying and showcasing more information and more content that can polarize society here furthermore than it current than it already is, right? That could continue adding here more fire to already very controversial topics that are on social media. You know, whether those are guns, whether those are politics, like you don't want a foreign power to have that much influence over your population. And for that reason alone, is just not something that can be unregulated to that extent, right? Now, Grace, let's move out of the of, of the ethical parts of TikTok. Um, let's now look at it objectively from a marketing standpoint. This can be very devastating for a lot of law firms that have really bet hard on TikTok for the past two, three years, have built massive followings in TikTok, and they're now heavily relying there as a source, not just of brand awareness, but as actual cases. And, you know, I it, this is not a I told you so moment, but we have always said, whether it's been down to TikTok, whether it's been down to Facebook, or whether it's been down to Google Ads pay-per-click, you cannot put all your eggs in one basket and you always need to be diversifying. I do believe, though, that most of the lawyers who had built strong followings in TikTok, they have strong followings as well in Instagram and in Facebook and other platforms that will allow them to make a shift. But at the same time, it will be a hit. Now, from a um, platform standpoint, am I very concerned? I am not. I'm really not. Like if TikTok stops existing tomorrow, I have no doubt that users will shift directly back into reels, into shorts, because it's a very similar experience. It may not have that user experience that TikTok is providing, but I also don't think they're that far away from actually getting to the point that they can be as entertaining. I actually think that, you know, I see myself at times on Instagram pretty much having the very same experience that I get from TikTok. So I no longer necessarily see such big division there between one and the other. And I also still believe that when you're looking at a law firm for what it is, right? You have a massive opportunity still in platforms like Facebook. And so I feel hopeful. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily seeing this as a, a terrible uh, thing if it were to happen, but it certainly doesn't go on notice on me that it will, it will certainly impact a lot of firms that have bet very hard on this platform. Yeah. I mean, I have two, two kind of comments about TikTok in general, and maybe even more specifically, it's kind of interesting that their comments about free speech and stopping free speech, considering they're a communist country that's owning, you know, a, a, <laughs> a social media platform that they control. Um, in addition to that, really, for me, it's, 
you know, like, not like you said, not an I told you so, but we always say don't put all your eggs in one basket. You should never, ever put all your funds or all of your marketing initiatives in one platform or trend or anything ever. Um, but if it does shut down tomorrow, I I know for a fact, and this is something we do because everybody does that, is pushes their TikTok to the Insta Reels, like you said. So there's not going to be a loss of opportunity if you've already done that in that sense. Um, yes, you lose a potential huge group of people that you've built and it's taken time to build. But if you did it right from the very beginning, you are leveraging multiple platforms and you're leveraging um, the kind of crossover things like TikTok to Insta Reels and you should be okay. You know, I mean, not to say that you're not going to feel it because you will. I mean, that's a given, you know, anytime that you pull an, an entire advertising model that's working for you on a specific platform, it's going to affect you no matter what, but it, it could be less uh, affecting to your entire pl uh, marketing plan if it was done right. And if you start taking care of that now, even. Yeah. And, and you know, what is very well known and documented, Grace, is that, you know, a lot of people, especially new new users, right, and I'll throw law firms in there as well, uh, especially right when they were registering as businesses, it it you know, it just worked in a way where all from the southern they would go in, put up one video, get a good decent amount of engagement, be so happy about it, right, and then all from the southern feel, oh yeah, we found finally the platform that worked for us. But in reality, this was TikTok very very strategically, very cleverly really indicating its algorithm, give visibility to this, make sure that this person feels the love from the platform so that we can get them to shift their investment, their time into this platform away from where they are. And so, you know, I'm not trying to burst here anyone's bubble, but it was 100% strategic and manipulated by the platform to make believe that the platform was giving you all of this love and engagement and visibility and such, it was a hundred percent done in a way for you to come for them to, to gain market share, right? To be able to bring more advertising dollars into the platform. That's exactly what every single platform does. I don't know if you remember six, seven years ago, how many people were, were, were still saying, guys, go come here to LinkedIn and post and post and post and do this, that, and that, because the platform is giving ton of visibility, ton of reach without having uh without you having to pay like you already had in had to pay in facebook for instance in order to get visibility exactly the same thing exactly the same thing it's, it's the play that's what's on the playbook of social media companies all right grace so let's move away from tiktok because we have a few other news here uh so talking about facebook it looks like mark zuckerberg is not falling behind with ai well he probably has already everyone who's not already providing uh, an AI chatbot is behind. But uh, what they're saying is that they're actually working hard and hoping to release very soon products that are going to be uh, powered by AI, particularly in Messenger, particularly for WhatsApp. They're actually calling it personas, right? So uh, go figure what that would be. But obviously, they're thinking of it as experiences so users can actually 
leverage these platforms in ways that we may have not yet done so. And then also using AI for powering up things like filters and such in platforms like Instagram. So they're certainly letting us know that AI is under the radar and they're trying to put up something in there. And going back to the mother of it all, OpenAI, just recently this week, announced that their ChatGPT and Whisper models are now available on uh, its API, which now offers developers access to AI-powered language and speech-to-text capabilities, which basically allows people building apps to make much smarter apps and much more efficient apps. And Grace, I know you were telling me that you guys already have plans on leveraging this. So I'm all ears. Yeah. So you know how I am in particular. I love playing with things that are around and, you know, before they become for pay. Um, so I, ca I call myself, and this is a term that I've used from the beginning of time, open source information. And as a matter of fact, as you can see here, thing where your notes say open AI, they believe the, re the best way to realize the full potential of AI is to allow everyone to build with it 100%. That's always right. been the way I look at things, the way I look at code, and the way I look at information is open source so we can all share in the successes and failures, right? And we all learn from each other's uh, code and mistakes. And so what we did is we went ahead and the moment that it was available, we opened up and paid for the resource account for ChatGPT um, through Azure services. Uh, for those of you that understand code or anything like that, that's just basically a place where you can play with this, right? It's like a, a server location in the virtual cloud. So we, yes, we immediately paid for it. It's like $20 a month. It's very little. And it's so that you can focus so that the resources that are available can be allocated to you in a way that makes sense. And the way they set it up is that they're, um, they cleaned it up so that when you do access the API, it makes it very easy if you're comfortable and you're used to APIs, obviously, in communicating with ChatGPT and Whisper so that you can create these automations and basically avatars. And there's a lot that you can do with it. So what we're doing with it is we're going to be using it to help augment our Persist software system. Um, it's been a while, like you said, Leo, since we've really even spoken about it because there's so many other things that we're doing all the time. Um, but really, it's a core product of ours that we have, and it's called Persist Software. And what it does is it automates communication. It integrates with your CRM, and it automates calling, emailing, and texting. It understands if somebody's on the phone through voice detection. It understands if someone is um, available, meaning the call center agent, through presence. And this all this is these are all elements of AI. So as part of that, we are incorporating ChatGPT, looking at how it can help improve the communication between us as a law firm and our clients. And so we're going to be building out some of the semantic language um, capabilities where it's going to be a little more chatbot-like in the sense that it's going to ask questions and have proper responses in a, you know, a little more rather than linear format, treat out, right? Where if you ask this, I can give you these potential responses. If you ask this, I can give you these other potential responses instead of more hit one, yes, no, you know, it's a little more organic. 
but it's still not that much of a difference for those of you who don't necessarily know how it works. It's not that much of a difference between what you're currently using in terms of the chatbot, unless you're using the API to develop against and see what you can do with this, because there's a lot that can be done with ChatGPT. It's just, you have to define what you're trying to achieve, figure out what your goal is going to look like, and then create a minimum viable product. It's something we've done over and over and over again. So I can easily tell you, touch it if you're going to if you know what you're going to try to achieve. Doesn't mean you can't test, but it's very important that you, when you're getting involved in something that you don't rabbit hole down this code and send your developers on, you know, basically a wild goose chase to try and make something that, you know, either already exists or doesn't make sense because that's not what your business goal is in the end. Yeah. No, that's uh, amazing, Grace, and very exciting. And I think, you know, you're right there when you said and you quote here the article that we have in front of us, which will have links on the episode notes, is that this is probably really when the fun thing is going to start happening. Like once you release this and open it up from the public, that's when it's really start reaching its new, its full potential and you start getting very creative stuff being done and used with it, right? I mean, I don't know if you've seen some of the videos that are circulating on social media platforms of people who are using AI and such to re to to create fake uh, Biden pitches and stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, that... They're funny. It can also be used for very wrong things, for very wrongful things, which, by the way, you know, not to get into that, but Apple apparently also recently banned because of concerns that its tech can also be used for not good things. Identity right? theft or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. So it is. Yes. So there is an upside. There is a downside to this. Like. And, and it all comes back to the regulation side of things. And then the government doesn't want to re regulate innovation. But then the problem is that a lot of bad things start happening. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of like that place. But I think as a whole, it's exciting to see where, where this new chapter leads us. Now, Grace, talking about chapters, we're about to enter the last one of this episode. And that has to do with just, you know, getting a sense of what's been happening on the mastered and classed actions world out there. Because since our last conversation, there's been some very tragic events, right, that have taken place. One of them was the train that derailed, spilling a lot of toxic chemicals all around the area. I mean, if you see the video of the explosion of that, it's just like something taken out of the movies. And one thing I noticed is that very quickly, right after that happened, I started seeing ads on it, right? And so funny enough, it was not ads from uh, law firms looking for victim. It was from marketeers saying, if you're a lawyer who wants to market to the victims there, we can help you out. But my question here, Grace, is from what you know, what what happens with these type of situations? Do they become class actions right of the like right from the get go? So um, you know, when you and I first started discussing this, I kind of likened this to the New Mexico wildfires, right? Which is very specific to a location, uh, but harms multiple people, and that one did become a class action. Um, 
you know, because it, it uh, basically it hurt everybody, but it slightly different damages, but it was their homes, right? And as long as they didn't lose their lives, you know, as wrongful death lawsuit, which is slightly different. Um, it was all pretty much class action style where it's the same thing, right? Everyone hurt by the same thing. This is going to be slightly different in the sense that it is hazardous materials. So it, while it's pro pro most likely going to be classified as a class action, it could become a mass tort depending on the specifics of the litigation um, because of the injuries that might occur after time, right? Because yes, you might be exposed to hazardous chemicals, but you may not immediately feel the effects of it as we know from, you know, some of these PFAS chemical lawsuits and that type of stuff. So with all that being said, what's happening right now is, yes, I, from what I've seen, I have seen attorneys come together and start talking about how are we going to help these people? What is that going to look like in terms of the litigation? And who is responsible ultimately for this issue? Because it was in transit. Now, I actually handled logistics and dealing with the logistics of steel pipe, we sent things via train quite often. Um, and so there, as part of the contract, there is a responsibility either in transit, in the location, or specifically to the broker or person purchasing. And at what point along the pipeline that they're being sent over, the logistical pipeline, pipeline that's who's responsible for it. So that's going to determine a lot of what happens. Where is it going to be held? Where are the, the hearings? If there are hearings going to be held, where are they going to look for the information on how it's affecting people, right? So the scientific data behind it, because you always have to prove out a case, right? So just because yeah. something happened doesn't mean that people, quote unquote, were affected. Obviously they were, right? It's a hazardous chemicals. <laughs> I mean, they're already stating that people are feeling sick, getting ill, you know, having to see the doctor, they want to be moved out from this location. So th there's going to be a lot of problems and it's going to, it's going to take a while. It's unfortunately, um, particularly if the state isn't helping get all of this kind of together, um, because it always goes to the state and then the federal government gets involved if the state can't help a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, and here especially, Grace, because when it comes down, particularly um, going back to the to the East Palestine, Ohio rail train derailment, um, you can already start hearing a lot of noise being done about inspections were not being done uh, properly, lobbying around, not having to enforce um, more strict regulations on security and such. And so... Uh, you know, now I'm just opening up here an article that says that leak audio reveals U.S. rail workers were told to skip inspections as Ohio crash from scrutiny to industry, right? A very serious stuff, the type of stuff that usually, you know, is being uh, litigated when trying to seek for compensation for everyone who's now being affected by this. So I think it will be something to be watched and 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 see how it evolves but but certainly it has created a lot of harm and we haven't seen yet the the, the whole impact of, of this which is still in development so um yeah i guess you know somehow of a reminder that mass storage is not something that especially with the latest ones that have been happening uh or that we've been hearing about that are more kind of like consequential over the prolonged exposure or use or something but, you know, there's also the class action type of event when just from, you know, in a blink of an eye, 
a lot of things can change for a lot of people and just from then on it just escalates so grace thanks very much for an update on that and i think uh we're ready for some takeaways awesome so i i know it's more starting in the middle but I think it's important to mention TikTok and its impact, right? Both on users, privacy, well, three ways, right? Users, privacy, and then law firms and marketers that are using it for their platform. This is a very solid, very big reminder. Do not ever put all your eggs in one basket. And if you're using content for one purpose, you can generally repurpose for another. And that's the same for TikTok. You can repurpose it for Insta Reels. So please, if you're not already doing that and you don't know that, do it. Start doing that if you haven't started and make sure that you are not putting all of your social media in one platform because things like this can and will happen continuously. Social platforms will disappear. Some will become more prevalent. Those of you who are too young, potentially, but listening to this, MySpace was one of the first guys. So actually, I see cue boards. Yeah. <laughs> That's really old. I, yeah, I, I think, Grace, you're absolutely right there. And, you know, while it is totally normal for some audiences to just want to be and interact with you in a particular platform, uh, there's nothing wrong in incentivizing your audience in one platform to also come and join you in other platforms. So it's a little bit more portable. Remember, you don't own. This is something that, you know, it gets talked and talked and talked about a lot on um, marketing conferences and such, but it never really uh, gets uh, through a lot of people. And that's the fact that you're building up all, all of these audiences in Instagram, in Facebook, in um, TikTok, but you're not owning the audience. The audience is inside the platform if something happens to the platform there goes your audience so you always need to find ways to uh take that connection beyond right you can do that through newsletter subscriptions you can do that through text messaging subscriptions and just having a direct channel between you and your firm so that's extremely important so never forget the importance of you know going beyond that connection that you have with your audience through the social media platform in one particular channel, but also encourage and find ways to incentivize um, your followers to follow you in more than one platform so that you're not, again, losing all communications with your potential audience through social media if something were to happen to one of them, right? Okay, great. So that was a really, really good takeaway. And I think it's probably the takeaway of this conversation, but there is, there's some other stuff that it's good. And I'm just going to say, Grace, you know what? It's great to, to, to have an office. It's great to work in person as well. Like, let's just put behind that demonizing the idea of that working from an office and having to, to show up for work in, in a presidential way. It's not a good thing. I think it's a fantastic thing. Just keep things in balance. Yeah, it helps with the work-life balance. So continue with the yeah. remote versus in-office balance because it, it does help. And I've seen it. It works for us. You know, so it's, it could work for you. Um, so I guess I'll take the last takeaway. You can, you can, if you want. Only because it has to do with chat, chat GBT in my mind. And you know how I feel about automation and communication. So um, chat GPT is not the be all and end all, but it is something that you should get involved in because it allows people 
to explore an avenue that might have otherwise been closed to them because of the open source nature that this particular program is allowing us to play with. You only have to pay for the resource if you want it to be dedicated to you. Otherwise, it is technically free. So play with it, use it, see if it's something that you can leverage. But of course, add it as one of the other things that you do. Do not make anything your be-all and end-all ever. Yeah, I, I, I love ChatGPT. Have fun with it. It can be so useful in so many ways. I just think, you know... Don't um, don't put it on a pedestal and think that it's going to solve all the problems in your life. It probably won't. And and don't forget really the essence of it and how it's built. It's built in its ability of predict a reasonable or a logic sequence to a sentence or to a paragraph. But that doesn't mean that what it's saying or writing is correct. So remember very well about uh, making sure that you are uh, checking back your sources and not letting really ChatGPT do a lot of the part of, of your work that requires a little bit more, more specific validation from reliable sources. I would just put it that way. By the way, Grace, I cannot finish up this episode by asking, did you already got access to the new Bing? Uh, I don't, I don't know if I do, but I've been using it and it seems like it, I do because every time I search, it gives me a chat GPT pop-up. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so it already made its way to, to windows. Cause that's another thing. So windows is already deploying it into their windows kind of like search bar. Uh, so that's really kind of like where Microsoft is heading, powering everything, all of their apps to have an AI component to it. And it makes all the sense in the world. Right, uh, because it automatically automatically is gonna give you more use, and it's gonna ease. Like imagine an Excel chart, right? That you don't. A lot of people they're still threatened by the fact of how do I build a, a chart for measuring or predicting things through Excel? Well, imagine if you can just type what you want to do, and then there goes ChatGPT and does it for you. The, the potential is tremendous, but you know. I do want to say that it feels a little bit like the halo of the new being AI and stuff, you know, like it's going to be, it's going to take more than just uh, a, a fancy release and a wait list for the market share in Google to really, really start dropping significantly. I still think that Google is standing very strong despite their weak effort in putting out this bot of theirs, Bard. And I still think that there are better days of AI for Google are yet to come. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. All right, Grace. Love this conversation. And I'm so much looking forward to our next one. But until then, stay safe and we'll be in touch. Thank you, Liel. Have a great day. Same. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your coworkers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at intamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week.